It's a brave new world for everybody. So everything that you all have wanted to experiment with, whether it's technology or new, new flows or new processes or whatever it is, give it a shot right now. I mean, this is, this is a great opportunity to do that. This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. The mountain resort industry has been in crisis management mode since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. In an effort to connect members of the industry, SAM has launched a weekly virtual forum dubbed The Huddle to discuss the here and now and what the future looks like. On this episode, we're taking a break from the immediate and important crisis management to ponder what's next. The sun will come out tomorrow and mountain resort operations need to be ready. Eventually, today's social distancing requirements will begin to relax. We don't know when, but it may allow for some summer operations. We don't know specifics since each state will have its own rules. And although none of us want to consider the possibility, A future resurgence of this virus or the arrival of another remains a new reality. What will we need to implement? Short-term fixes or perhaps longer-term pivots? This is new territory that requires new thinking. We'll kick it off with SAM publisher, Olivia Rowan. Thank you all for joining us today. This is our fifth Monday huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of SAM Magazine, and my co-hosts today are Claire Humber, SE Group, John Ashworth from Bull Stockwell Allen, and Regina Connell from Collective Work. Claire, John, and Regina are gonna lead our discussion today and uh, they'll be joined with a panel of virtual GMs and I'll introduce introduce them as we go along. Um, We'll also have a facilitator, Paul Towner from High Peaks Group. Uh, Paul is a leadership coach and a frequent contributor to Sam Magazine. Um, He's been on all of our huddles for Sam Magazine and our other publication, Adventure Park Insider helping uh, keep us on track and providing some insights when it comes to the asset of people. Um, Today's topic is opening and moving forward in uncertain times. Um, We want you to consider this a little bit of a palate cleanser, a blue sky brainstorming, um, a lift, however you want to see it. We just want to take a break from the immediate and the important um, crisis management to ponder what's next. And we're all in the trenches every day and, and we wanted to take a moment and this was Claire's suggestion to kind of lift our heads up and look a little bit forward um, as we move towards reopening. Uh, Today we'll talk about what your operation needs to do to to be ready to open. Um, And as we've learned, the landscape changes weekly. So in everything you hear today, and the most important thing we've learned is to be adaptable to changes. Um, May even be changes to what we discuss here um, next week. So with that, um, I want to first start with, Kelly Pollock, our NSA president, she um, is going to share with us a little bit, as she has done in every huddle, uh, about the efforts that um, she and her team are doing over at NSAA, um, keeping us on track and with great resources. So Kelly, can you give us a little update? Absolutely. Um, Thanks. Uh, I appreciate the invite. I'm looking forward to these on the weekends. I'm (laughs) waiting to get my my email from Olivia on on the topic, so I really appreciate it. Um, and I think today's topic is right on. Um, thanks for the suggestion, Claire. Uh, highlights for NSA: we have been working on the payment protection program loan um, 
we got a letter into the SBA because the forgiveness part just doesn't work for winter um, seasonal employers. So we're asking for them to write in some definitions that work for us. And uh, now the advocacy uh, part has is has begun, and that's getting as many of our elected uh, politicians to let the SBA know that this is really important right now. We're we're just not having as much luck as as a small business should have uh, with this with this loan. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, we're going to just keep working really hard. We're also working on phase four and uh, trying to figure out what our industry ask is going to be. We know it's going to be for two billion dollars. That's what we've estimated is the loss during um, due to the uh, pandemic. Uh, we're just working out the details because we know that it has to be clear and concise if it's going to even make it uh, to the right to the right desks and and uh, be seen. Uh, and we're also working on um, a safe staffs safe guest uh, resource guide. So this call is going to be really important to hear what everybody has to say. Uh, just trying to have uh, an with those who are looking for a template or best practices as they bring their staff uh, back to work and contemplate uh, that, that guest interaction. I think that's a, a good summary of what's going on um, and I look forward to hearing you all and it's so awesome to see you all. Thanks, Kelly. And um, and just real brief, I was just before we jumped on the call looking over the results of your survey. You had a great response in the end, it looks like. Any um, one or two surprise points from that? It wasn't really surprising. It was disappointing to hear what the projections are um, for lost revenues and, and projects. I would say that that $2 billion that we modeled out with RRC using our historical data is going to probably be closer to three based on the information that everybody um, shared with us on that survey. Well, thanks, Kelly, so much. And now we're going to move on to our topic, opening and moving forward in uncertain times. Um, we're going to kick off this first segment with Claire and Richina talking with our guest, Barb Green of Blue Mountain PA. Dave Corbin of Aspen Snowmass, and Jay Scambio of Blue Mountain, New Hampshire. Thanks, Olivia, and and um, thanks everyone for joining us for, you know, as Olivia says, a, a palate cleanser of sorts, a little shift in focus. Um, you know, we do appreciate that you guys are all doing a lot of really heavy lifting these days as you focus on the immediate uh, priority of taking care of your families and your teams and, and your communities. and. Um, you know, it is hard to think about the future when we don't know what that means and when it changes every day. Um, but we, we can start to see that at, at some point, this distancing requirement is gonna relax. Um, it could mean summer operations, um, but we don't know what degree of distancing will be required. Well, we can assume there'll be some. Um, there could be a resurgence. There's a lot of talk about a flare in the fall. And so there's you know, this sort of ebb and flow that we have to think about. Um, and then there's the customer that when they come back, they're gonna, have, they're gonna bring some baggage along with them too. They're gonna be nervous. They're gonna be concerned. Um, and you know, to think about, what, so what does this mean to operations? What does it mean to your recreation, to your guest services, to your brand? Um, you know, and this is new territory. Uh, it's new for us, but I think there's this weird little silver lining in that um, the entire world is going through this together, right? Global pandemic by definition means um, that, you know, everybody is affected by this. And 
we will continue to see um, examples and best practices emerge um, you know, throughout the world. So there will be a lot of information that we can pull from um, and use as reference guides uh, as that goes, as we go forward. I think that, you know, one of the things that we were, we've been talking a lot about and just building on what Claire has said is, you know, that there are a number of things that we can start to assume will be the case. Um, obviously, until there's a vaccine, uh, which will be a game changer, but that's probably not until next year. That's the reality. I think widespread testing itself is probably still problematic. So, you know, we are looking at probably a very substantial period, probably through the, the next winter season of, um, of kind of change and uncertainty and things like that. Yes, absolutely. Social distancing um, is going to be the norm. Um, you know, gatherings, I think that would be kind of a continued big issue. Is it 10? Is it 50? I don't know, but I'm assuming that, you know, it's better to kind of plan around the 10. I think travel in terms of what's going to come back, I think, based on what we've all seen in the past, I think post, you know, 9-11, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be a big emphasis on drive versus fly. And in particular, with respect to international. So um, it's both good news for kind of domestic um, companies, but, but also kind of a real challenge as well um, in terms of kind of being able to bring in the international traveler. Um, I think that um, we have to always assume as well that masks and, um, you know, and probably temperature checks will be a continued thing. And so that will be, that will be something that we'll need to consider um, both for outdoor and for indoor. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about indoor in a minute. But, you know, I think that that will, that will be a continued issue. And there, there are some interesting issues around how, how kind of masks can be used. Um, there will be, as Claire was saying, recurrent lockdowns. Um, I think what's also interesting is that, you know, if any of the indications about kind of government policy and government warnings and things like that um, from Europe will be the same, they will continue to be asking for people with compromised immune systems, older people, um, et cetera, et cetera, to continue to shelter in place or to limit certainly non-essential activities. And so what's going to be interesting for kind of, you know, kind of recreational areas is that may change the demographics of who ends up at your, you know, resort, your recreation area, et cetera, et cetera. And so if the, if the older folks are not coming, unfortunately, older people tend to have a little bit more wealth, um, the recession is uh, likely to affect the younger. And so that's going to continue to be an issue. But it also may drive in a, a different, kind of, um, different kind of guest. Um, and then finally, as Claire was saying, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, all the history says that, you know, based on H1N1 and SARS and things like that, people will take time to bounce back. I think the other thing that, again, in the next little while, the next, in the first phase of, quote, reopening, um, I think what's really interesting is that, you know, even the American um, consumer, you know, kind of, you know, um, is, is thinking that, that they will be skittish and that they are concerned about governments kind of opening up too, too quickly. And so that was a Wall Street Journal poll that came out over the weekend. And so that will be kind of an interesting thing to watch. So, you know, we have kind of what's going on with the, you know, with, with government policy and regulation and states and things like that. Um, but then there's also this, this whole issue of what to do with the consumer and how they will be thinking and feeling and reacting. And um, so, you know, I think it'll be, an, that's an interesting thing for everybody on all the operators to have to kind of work through. Right. Empathy, important empathy. empathy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got two main topics 
today. The first is recreation or outside. Um, and I'll start that with Regina and um, Barb and Dave Corbin and Jay. Um, and then John Ashworth will lead a similar conversation around the inside or guest services. Um, and throughout, Regina's gonna sort of um, weave a thread of um, sort of encouraging us to think about delivering on the brand experience, on communication and messaging, because uh, that piece is gonna be critical for that customer experience, right? Um, okay, so topic number one, here's what I've been thinking about. I saw this as a, um, a title for a webinar that was hosted by, of all things, an outdoor furniture company, and it was called Out is the New In. So, <laughs> right, we are all going crazy with all this inside stuff, right? There's a huge pent-up demand for outdoor recreation right now, and as soon as people can get out, they're gonna want to get out beyond their street, their park, their pathway, right? They're gonna, they're really gonna wanna get out. And this is a great opportunity for all of us. Um, how that realizes is going to be different for all of us too, depending on, you know, the type of area you are. So you can see, you know, for those that are urban, sort of urban day use ski areas, you can be another version of a city park almost. Um, the, you know, for regional destination, you will become very appealing for that first, let's get in the car and go to the mountains day, right? And then even the, desti the destinations, you know, we are offering a more outdoor oriented experience, vacation experience. It's a lot easier to palette that, you know, when you're feeling a little nervous and thinking about an overnight trip, going to a mountain resort is a, is a perfect alternative. Um, and, you know, and the other thing about this, I think that's really great is, you know, we already have these huge parking lots. We already have these base areas that, you know, as a planner, as a planner for summer activities, the base area is always like the, oh, what are we going to do with this huge space that we need for the winter? But then in the summer, what are we going to do? Like, what a great business to be in right now, having a lot of outdoor space, right? And we, and miles and miles and miles of, of trails um, puts us in a good place. And I, as I was saying before, you know, I think that one of the one of the really great opportunities coming out of all of this, and I am, you know, and and while I feel for you know for everybody who's kind of just trying to kind of juggle and things like that, you know, I am one of these people who truly does believe that you know a, a crisis is is uh, you don't want to waste a good crisis, right? And we're <laughs> clearly there. Um, but I think there's such an opportunity to kind of take this pent up demand to uh, really, as I said, reconnect with or connect with a whole new class of consumer, the ones who might have been going off to Europe for the summer or for the winter or something like that. The ones who might have been thinking about an urban break but, but really want to kind of stay away from that um, with all the concerns and you know, the dislocation within even the large cities and things like that. So I think there is a really huge opportunity with you know, both new and lapsed, if you will, um, kind of customers. Um, I think with that comes the challenge of reaching them and communicating with them and making sure that they understand what is on offer. Because I think with all of these changes, um, we will need to communicate and over communicate and almost, you know, make sure that we are really kind of thinking at things, thinking about things absolutely from their perspective and not from our own, which is yeah. such a common thing. I mean, we all get caught in our, our own worlds. So Barb, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you first. So thinking about Blue Mountain, does this ring true for you? Like, you know, how you fit in to your sort of more market 
or orientation of being more urban and what are you guys doing to get ready for people showing up for your outside? You even mentioned they're already showing up. <laughs> yeah, they, they really are. All, I mean, we, we have issues with security. We still had snow uh, on, on the mountain uh, like two weeks ago and, you know, people wanted to hike it with the snow and I, I see Tim Barnhurst there cringing um, as well as me. Uh, you know, it just, uh, um, there, there's a definite pen out uh, demand. Um, you know, it, it, in times of uh, recession, we go up 20 or 30%. So, you know, I'm, I'm really concerned that our lines are going to be out of control um, uh, because I agree with Regina that, you know, this is going to be a, everybody's going to be staying home. And that means any, any resort in the, in, in the drive zone is, is, is probably going to get hit with, with lines and how do we, how do we control it? How do we keep our employees safe? I think, um, you know, we had a meeting earlier today about, you know, let's, let's, let's go ahead and figure out what we're going to do with the employees. We're supposed to be back in three weeks. Um, how do we make sure each one of our employees feels like they are safe? And what are we going to do about that? Before, before we start to the guest, we mm -hmm. have two weeks after that to go ahead and do the guest. Um, but I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we have to have a clear, we have an opportunity, I think, because we are outdoor focused. Um, we, we have space. Most everybody else in the recreation area does not have space. So um, I, I, we, we, we've had some stuff that uh, has been very successful uh, with this glamping, um, which is, you know, I, I forget what the company was that we partnered with about two or three years ago, but it was all about, you know, you want to be able to go camping in the nude. So each space <laughs> was separate from everybody else's space. So we're kind of, we're, we're kind of, we, we have that um, where we just, you know, give, give a person an ATV ride out to their glamping space and we'll deliver the, we'll deliver Slopeside, our restaurant to them. Um, you know, we will pack their cooler if they want, you know, do, do a whole bunch of, of things like that. But um, I, I think that's going to be very popular this year. Um, I, I was on a call earlier uh, with, uh, with my, my team and, you know, one, one of the things is, um, you know, on this OM, uh, we have on mountain training because we we partner with Spartan. I'm sure there's other people that partner with Spartan. Um, you know, make it virtual. You know, it doesn't need to be a crowd. You know, we could figure out how to make it virtual and and then have a have a Zoom meeting with everybody on it to go ahead and say who won that particular race, um, and and sort of mo monitor it that way. Barb, have you been thinking about how you're going to try and like, do, have you guys been thinking about strategies on how to control that, that influx or control the amount of people that are showing up? Is there, are you thinking about messaging or? I think it's messaging. Um, you know, we, we did RFID a long time ago. Um, and uh, I could tell you, and at least in our marketplace, I just don't know if I have the guts to do this, but um, the, the, you know, we, we sell six hour tickets. No one, no one skis eight hours anymore, um, especially the younger generation. They don't ski that long. And, um, you know, in our tubing, in our tubing, uh, we basically have gone for two to three hour sessions. Um, this might be the year that we try to control our crowds better by using all that technology. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, to, to, to me, 
if you do that, I, I think people would pay for it. But I mean, I, I hate to be the lone person in my marketplace. I'm already the lone person with RFID, um, you know, and having to deal with, well, they have eight hour tickets and why don't you have eight hour tickets? Well, because I could tell you there's only like two out of a hundred people that actually ski the whole eight hours. So, um, you know, that's sort of, <laughs> sort of, sort of the reason, but I, I, I truly think it's going to have to come down to, to trying to get some of these technologies rolled out before we get into the winter season. Um, with, uh, with, with, with trying to, 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 to message it with, here's yeah. how we're going to keep you safe. We're going to limit the number of people. Here's your session. Um, by the way, here's your ticket. You know, just we'll mail you your ticket so you don't have to wait in line and guest services. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, reload it online. Uh, yeah, I know. think, you know what, I think you raise a lot of things. This is going to come up over and over again, right? The messaging, the technology, and the, not just your guests, but your staff. Let's let's move on. Um, okay, second topic, green means go. So back in post 9-11 world, we all became familiar, those of us that travel, and um, with you know green alert, red alert, yellow alert, and that sort of varying degrees. It's already being adopted again um, by regulatory bodies um, looking for a similar scale today. And I've even heard it uh, mentioned in context of um, it's a dial, not a switch, right? So that kind of open, closed flux is going to be something that we're all going to really have to get used to. And it's going to go back and forth probably daily for a while. Um, you know, this could translate into just simply being open, allowing people to just come and pull into your parking lot and use your base area, maybe use your trails um, to any degree of what you would normally offer as high touch. The new dirty word, high touch, <laughs> right? It used to be a good thing. No, 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 no more high touch. But, I think know, it's high touchless. High touchless, right? But that more curated, high touch experience um, that some of us have at summer um, as part of our summer operations. So that degree is going to go back and forth. And you know, I think there's part of that's going to uh, exacerbate the, the crowding as well. And you know, is there any way that we can control that, whether it's through technology or some kind of limitation in passes? Um, Jay, you're at you know, Loon is poised at the edge of the White Mountains. Um, you see a tremendous amount of influx of city dwellers in the summer and you guys, you know, you offer everything from the, you know, hiking, biking, walking trails to some, you know, higher touch stuff and events. Um, what are you thinking about when you think about that flex of business this summer and, and maybe even fall and winter? Yeah. <clears throat> well, thanks for having me, everybody. Um, we, we are still well in planning mode. I'll, absolutely admit that and it's about coming out with scenarios that play into exactly what Claire was just talking um, how we're gonna flex when we can flex um, when our state mandates will be lifted or not and how um, how the region and the country is responding and recovering from this thing a website that I monitor or have been monitoring since it started uh, says that Massachusetts as of today hit their kind of peak for um, daily deaths so that's hopefully a, a good sign and uh, a downward sign towards getting back to having some sort of summer operation. Um, but with the way we're looking at it right now is out of everything that we offer, um, we, we gondola sky rides, a summit restaurant, um, base area uh, food, as well as zip lining, mountain biking, uh, lift service mountain biking, 
um, ropes course, climbing wall, just renting bikes to take around town. Um, what are the phases? Um, and, and, and how quickly can we realize any of those? Um, is it, and, and I'm just picking dates here, but is it a July 1st deal? And as a July 1st, we are going to go with all of our operations open. Or is it as a July 1st, you know, our reality is we're still under restrictions from how many people can assemble. And the, the best we can do right now is to run our, our uh, lift, service, lift service mountain biking operation and have no indoor food services available to people. So we're really kind of messing through all that stuff. Um, and while we're doing that, it's about <clears throat> taking care of making sure that our team members are safe and then making sure that our guests are safe and communicating that information out to, out to everybody. And we have to make sure that our guests know about it. They, they need to know what we're doing. I think weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, people would have been like, yeah, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't really care what you're going to do. Um, it's not a big deal. Now it, it is clear, even up here in um, the woods, in New Hampshire, you go to the store and everybody's wearing a mask. Every, a lot of people have gloves on and it has really hit home now. And people are going to be expecting to, expecting you to be able to tell them exactly what it is you're doing to help keep them um, reasonably safe. And I think reasonably has to be thrown in there because there's a certain amount of onus that's on any guest who's coming to your resort to recreate and how they're going to assume the risk of being around with other people. Um, but you need to be able to, you need to be able to speak to what your message is about well, we do have, you know, spit guards in place or we are cleaning our zipline harnesses at X frequency per day, week, month, or whatever. Um, and, and those are the things that, you know, honestly, I don't have, we don't have a lot of answers on it right now. We're really flushing it out to see what makes sense for us. We're, we're currently in, in savings mode and figuring out how our team, whether that's our full-time year-round team um, for the whole summer, or if that's part-time or seasonal staff that's gonna be sprinkled in or back to business as normal, um, how everybody's going to fit into that and what revenues we can look at from all of that and what that means for, for profits or not for, for the resort. So a lot to think about. Um, but I do think as Regina and Claire have said, we, we have a lot of opportunity for what we offer. We're outside, you know, this is a great opportunity for all of us. And, and especially, you know, here in the state of New Hampshire, our governor has been very vocal about his, his opinion on people being outside, being, being responsible about what they're doing, but being outside and getting some fresh air. And we're hoping that we'll be able to play into that. Um, some of areas of business might not. We, we do about 25, 30 weddings a summer. I don't know how that's going to happen right now. Um, if you just think about the, the optics that exist with, with that kind of operation and people's perception. Um, and then we have, I think Claire mentioned some pretty large events in the fall and uh, we're waiting a while to make a decision on that stuff. But, eventually um, we'll have to determine if we can have 30,000 people here or not. Probably not, but yeah. we'll see. Just to bounce in on that really, really quickly. The um, there's a huge amount of responsibility for, for obviously for messaging and communications about w both what yeah. you're doing and also the expectations that, that, you know, we will all have of guests coming into our, our spaces and our areas. Um, one of the things though, to keep in mind is to really kind of be able to kind of position safety as a service, as an enhanced exactly. service. So that's number one. Um, the other thing is 
make, you know, make sure your communications, and this is kind of a really micro thing, but make sure your communications are on brand with who you are. Um, and I, you know, I think about Southwest having done such a great job of reinventing the FAA safety, you know, kind of the announcement at the very beginning, they've turned it into a thing. And mm -hmm. so not to make light of safety, but really being able to kind of communicate that and create some life and some energy around a real bummer kind of comment and bummer set of instructions can be, um, can actually be really, really transforming and really endearing for, again, for people who are coming to you for the first time or who are coming to you with kind of fresh and slightly nervous eyes. Well, it's, and it's interesting, Regina, on that note that, um, you know, we're based for a large part, and this, this gets into the next topic, but we're going to be told by the, you know, by the powers that be what we can and cannot do. So that means that's a commodity, right? We talk about this right. in, about our winter business, right? Like everybody expects good lifts, good snow, good, you know, good, good service. That, that's industry normal now. So how do you rise above that commodity of doing what you're told? Um, in a way that you've been told to do it. There's, that's where the, the magic of brand differentiation happens, right? Yeah. So speaking of the new world order um, that we all see in the grocery store now, right? There's, there's one-way systems, there's space in between. Um, you know, how does that translate to our world? Um, um, there was a study that came out a few weeks ago, Belgian Dutch scientists that were talking about the distancing behind a runner or a biker being different than just walking because of the slipstream, right? So it's not six feet apart, it's 15 to 20 feet apart. Um, you know, what does it mean for our lineups, for our mazes, um, for our chairlift capacity, um, you know, groups being limited to household members? Um, you know, David, you know, when you guys are thinking about this new world order, what is the, what's the Aspen, sorry, David Corbin, what's the Aspen Snowmass version of that when you guys think about, you know, your high touch experience and sort of branded way of doing things? How are you guys starting to wrap your minds around that? Um, well, obviously with respect to either summer or winter, we're, we're clearly like everybody else, just beginning to address right. those things or to consider them. Um, I think one thing that's really instructive is probably what um, we and other resorts in central Colorado just experienced on the uphilling issues. Um, and some, like Summit County resorts, basically closed their mountains to uphilling. We kept uphilling. Um, it's very popular here in Aspen. Um, but even then, we were faced with challenges of um, maintaining or, or having social separation in parking lots at the base of buttermilk, for example, or tie hat, um, and trying somehow either through uh, uh, extra communications or sort of public shaming <laughs> to get people to actually separate um, sufficiently on the mountain when they were going up. Um, Forest Service had to deal with that by saying, you know, on the public lands, you know, the public lands and the mountains are open, but the ski areas are closed. So our activities, our business lines, our services are gone, including patrol and other protections, but at the same time, the public lands are open. Um, and we were left, I think, and I know Katie Ertel's been listening in, so Katie's had to manage that for all of our mountains, but um, 
we were sort of left with the dilemma of having to try to enforce something we really had no power to absolutely influence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we should think about with respect to summer too. I would agree with the comments made before that um, in summer, we're gonna experience a pent up demand and there will be people who want to get out into the woods. And here, public lands, they'll be able to, yet they'll come through our portals. So how we somehow get them to separate in parking lots, how we um, allow them access on hiking or biking while still maintaining some public safety or following local, state, or county um, public health directives, I think is going to be really hard. Um, so I think that that notion of how do you welcome people, still make them feel safe, and likewise have your employees feel safe, and dealing with the kind of stress of some participants who aren't going to adhere to those social distancing requirements is going to be hard. We're going to be sort of stuck in this never-never land of trying to enforce something where we can't always. Um, so that I think there's a management problem there that probably we haven't really started to think about aside from the literal physical distancing. I think with respect to our summer business activities, it's pretty clear lift out in gondola cabins, where and how do you manage that? How many people do you put in? Only related groups. What do you do with a, a group of people who are unaffiliated and you've got a single? And the efficiencies of your lift operation, I think, are going to get really complicated fast. Mm -hmm. okay. A simple quad chair on a, a, you know, on a lift up for summer, you're just loading the outsides. <laughs> you know, the, the two seats in the middle are empty. You know, what are your physical capacities? Um, and I, th I think they'll all shrink. And I look at that on a forward-looking basis into winter and get really concerned about our ability to have throughput. So the functional throughput, whether it's queuing for ticketing or mazes or on lifts, I think poses challenge across the board. And I, we don't have protocols yet. I think we're just beginning to address those subjects. Um, when I look at specific activity lines, some of them I think are gone in, in a heartbeat. If you can't maintain those distancing issues, you know, you're not gonna send unaffiliated, un, unrelated groups on your zip line canopy tour together. You know, right. that's not gonna happen. Do you open that business line if you're just taking individual families or, or worse yet, individuals? I'm not sure it makes sense to open you know, on that kind of thing. Um, beyond that, even if you've got, say, a challenge course where you could space people out and sort of um, pulse them through, how often do you sanitize? You know, after every person, after every group? I mean, what's the standard? What will make that customer feel comfortably safe? Um, yeah. We have any. And then there's the then there's all the portable hand washing stations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think you can begin to follow some of the construction related directives yeah. that we've seen, so yeah. that on the employee side, 
masks, goggles, gloves, what have you. I think that's going to be fairly manageable. Yeah. Best side, open questions. And uh, I think just spacing and distancing and constant sanitization of your equipment is going to be going to be required. Again, throughput, anybody's guess. Yeah. Well, and, and David sort of mentioned, you know, the winter, you know, winter isn't that far away. And sort of as a segue to our next topic, um, you know, while summer, we can really own that outside at some point in, in the winter for sure. And, you know, even in our glorious mountain summers, sometimes the weather doesn't participate and people do have to go inside. Um, so let's, let's talk about that for the second half here. Thanks, Claire. Um, yep, segment two is going to go uh, look at the inside and the guest services. Um, and we're going to do that um, led by John Ashworth and Regina again. Um, and we will lead our guests, they will lead the guests through um, that discussion. And our guests for this segment are Frank DeBerry of Crystal Mountain, Steve Wright of Jay Peak, and Dave Norton of Taos, New Mexico. John? Well, and David Corbin, I think you just led to a really great uh, transition here in terms of kind of uh, you know what what does what is it that really makes your guests comfortable during this this odd transition period? And you know, guest services by definition really does remain um, to be the human touch point between yourselves and your guests. And the kind of irony is that as you know, with social distancing, how how can you touch? We kind of joked about that a little bit earlier. Um, and that's likely to be part of our lives for some time. Um, you know, there's that old, for those of us old enough to remember, there's that old AT&T um, advertising line that, you know, reach out and touch someone. Well, you know, how do you as an operator, um, how do you really reach out and really let your guests know that you are, you've got their, their backs, you've got their, um, you know, you're, you're trying to do the right thing by them when in fact, you know, we are talking about masks and gloves and shields. And, and so, you know, how, how do we as um, hospitality managers and, and as resort operators, how do we really welcome our guests? And when we're really, how do we take temperatures, literally, you know, literally, how do we literally take a temperature as well as figuratively? How do we kind of uh, understand what our guests are, are really thinking about? So these are, these are some, I think, really, really big topics that once um, resorts do begin to open, how do we get the guests to feel like things are safe and sanitary? Um, how do we make people feel positive? How do we make people kind of want more or want to come back? Or maybe even more importantly, um, have their friends come back, say, I had a really great experience and, and, and you know, I really want to get back. And, you know, throughput and all that are, are really important pieces too, but also just making sure people are, are there and having a, um, uh, a good time. So, you know, I think there's a real opportunity here. Regina mentioned that earlier that, you know, sometimes there are opportunities that come out of crises. And, you know, is there an opportunity for each resort and in accordance with brand to really provide um, an opportunity to kind of really reconnect with your guests? Or I personally kind of feel that, um, this is a real opportunity. This is what your guests are going to remember for a long time. Remember that mm -hmm. summer when, and you know, how do you as an operator really respond to that and make sure that, um, you know, you're providing the guests a superior service and, and, and a branded service that really will separate you, frankly, from, from some others. 
And there, there are some specific scenarios I thought would be kind of fun for the panel to, to chat about. One of them is, you know, kind of how do we, how do we welcome? What's the arrival experience? How do we meet, greet, and communicate with our guests? Um, what's the code of, con, uh, of conduct? Um, you know, we have, a, we have uh, contracts that are typically associated with, with the ticketing, and that assumes assumption of risk, but, you know, does that really, how does that translate into the potential for catching a, a virus? And there's been an interesting sidebar going on in the questions, the group chat, about what can you really promise your guests? Can you really promise safety or what are the liability issues? You know, crowd control, whether that's on a lift or inside of a building, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you deal with crowd control? How can you bring people together or, or does it all just kind of fall apart? And that has to do with both, you know, kind of how you do it as well as the numbers that make it, you know, make you determine whether it's really worth uh, opening that business. And then there's that old Katie Lang song, Constant Craving. I think, you know, today it might be constant cleaning. So, you know, how do we, how do we kind of think about those? So let me, let me begin to throw this out to the experts. Um, and let me throw it out to David Norden first. You know, if, if, you're, if your guest service or employees look like masked bandits and they're all wearing gloves, how, how do you make them brand ambassadors? I love that you call us experts. Uh, we're all we're all beginners and rookies at this. So, uh, and well, I you know just, what you know what gen, uh, GM stands for, right? It's yeah. uh, genius maestros. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all we're all winging it. Um, I wanted to thank all the comments that I've already heard to date. It's it's very refreshing to get the thoughts. Um, I appreciate the optimism. That's. Uh, within this industry in, in general and, and certainly the people that have been speaking today. Um, I've got a couple of notes here, uh, John, that I'd like to share. Uh, one is the hotel operation. And uh, we opened the Blake three years ago. It's a very successful hotel. And as you mentioned, uh, it's, it is high touch. I mean, we've been very, very successful because of the relationships we've created with our, with our folks. And, um, you know, starting to think about what does a hotel operation look like? What does a reduced occupancy look like? What does, what does the whole process look like? We have valet. So is it now a valet-less hotel? Uh, the check-in process, is it a virtual check-in process? We don't have the technology for that, but is it a virtual check-in process? What is the time required for the turnover of a room? And how are you ensuring that that room is getting cleansed properly and sanitized properly. So now the turnover time period is much, much longer. So it's just very slowly starting to think about the hotel operation because that is obviously one of the most indoor spaces and who stayed in the room before me? <laughs> and, and how do I know that that room has been proper, properly taken care of? I do think we have an opportunity this summer to start to test some of these ideas. And our plan is to work very, very slowly into um, a plan, again, assuming we've got the governmental clearance to do so, but start very, very slow and try to gain the successes along the way. Uh, we also believe that uh, where we can begin to test the system, and we now have operations on property, no guests, but we have vehicle maintenance, lift maintenance, facility maintenance on property, We've got a very uh, strict protocol in place that every staff member has to sign 
prior to going to work. If they violate it, they're out. It's also an opt-in scenario. We're not asking anybody to come to work unless they want to. And, and I think protecting the, the, the staff is very, very important. We have a construction project going on right now that is that continues. We're allowed to continue with construction. Very strict guidelines there that are checked daily. Uh, so I think the notion of using this off season and then the summer, which for us is a fairly low period, as testing grounds for what winter may look like and to start slow. Uh, last, this past winter when COVID first started coming up, we started to ask ourselves about an open air resort. What does that look like? And John, you're talking about indoor spaces. I'm trying to, we're lucky. We're very, very fortunate here in the West and especially in, in New Mexico, we have a lot of sunshine. And can we yep. truly run an open air resort and, uh, and, and start to market it that way? That we're That's actually a really interesting not, point. Right, yeah. we're not going indoors, right? And bathrooms is one thing, and yeah, if it gets inclement, but can we really function with an open air resort? And then the last thing I wanted to share, which uh, I, I've heard already on this call three or four times, this notion of your brand and the importance of your brand to stay true to your brand and to carry that forward. Uh, we became the first ski resort in the world certified as a B Corporation three years ago. And I, my goal was this May to go to Florida and, and share with many of you to join the, join the club. We think being a B Corporation has been wonderful. It's, we've joined the ranks of Patagonia and Ben and & Jerry's and, and Dr. Bronner's and it means the, trying to really assess your organization on the highest levels of social and, and uh, environmental responsibility. But our B Corp messaging has gotten through and I think people recognize us for what we do. And, and where I'm going with this is the importance of building trust. And I think it's really key that we build trust now so that when our guests do come, they believe that we are going to do the right thing. Uh, our messaging for the next four to six weeks is all about taking care of our staff, seeing everything we can do to get them the best pay, the best benefits and possible work where, possible, where, where we can to demonstrate that. And then, and then actually what we're starting this week is really to help out our community. And unfortunately, we've got to, uh, we are in Northern New Mexico. There are children that are not now not in school and they're, they're not being fed. We've got families without uh, internet access and, and other issues. And we're really trying to do what we can for our, our community. But we believe that the social responsibility is really important. And if we can demonstrate to our guests that right now, the most important thing for us is to focus on our staff and our community, possibly that builds additional trust with our guests. And they'll realize if they're doing that for their staff and their community, they should do that for their guests when they welcome us back to the resort. So, so David, that whole idea of trust, I think, is a really important piece, and that maybe is a good segue um, because, again, there's been the sidebar conversation about what can you promise your guests and how do you establish that trust. So let me turn this over to, to Steve Wright and ask, you know, what, what, how can you guarantee safety or what kind of liability does a resort potentially face um, in, in terms of its, both its employees and its guests? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's, you know, any any sort of promising going on around safety at this point uh, can get uh, into into very difficult grounds. And I think that David's right. I think this notion of honesty 
um, which is connected to transparency and at some level authenticity. A lot of that starts prior to the crisis, right? A lot of us have these relationships with our guests and that relationship with our guests now that we try to rely on, leverage is a dirty word, but we try to rely on the fact that we have those relationships now to help us through this. It can be difficult if that isn't part of your brand to start to develop that right in the heart of a crisis. Um, so from a, for us, I mean, we've, we're using this summer as sort of a template to figure out operations and then work our way up uh, as, as we get into winter. The modeling that we've done here is we've essentially stripped anywhere from 65 to 80% of our top line revenue out of our, out of our models. We've adjusted our expenses down. We've, we've adjusted uh, labor down. We're trying to, trying to make sense of all of that in, in, in a summer environment. Um, and then we're, we've, we've been working on winter and trying to take that revenue down for winter as well, because I have a hard time getting my head around how all of this is going to come back, right? We do 70 weddings between July 1st and Halloween, and we've got some, we've got some nervous grooms and brides on our hands right now, a mix of, of them canceling and postponing. So we're, we have a feeling we're going to miss some of those. Um, we've lost hockey tournaments. We've lost uh soccer tournaments we have a you know generally 95 percent of the time i'm very happy to have a 70,000 square foot indoor water park this uh this is not necessarily one of those times and trying to figure out what the operating environment is going to be next year and uh, uh inside that building um but one thing one thing for sure on our end we really believe strongly that departments like housekeeping and janitorial and laundry which traditionally are back of the house departments are going to be front of house like any other department we have here. They're going to be, they're going to lead our way through this, both, uh, both in terms of an operating model that includes things like uh, modifications to our air handling systems, um, you know, different technology that we'll use to clean the rooms, a rebranding of our uh, of the entire housekeeping department as a clean team, uh, probably increasing their pay scales, uh, giving them different uniforms. Um, limitless things as we get into the branding of that, um, because it, it's not going—it's not going to be enough to have a clean campus anymore. Yeah. It's not going to be enough to have clean restaurants and a clean water park uh, and a clean lobby. The guests are going to need to see us cleaning and smelling. Uh, they are going to need to see us in the act of doing all of this to reinforce this notion that it's a clean uh, resort. And I think that as we go forward. Um, making sure that that stays in our focus um, uh, before the guest gets here with explaining to them what they'll see when they get here uh, and then a retraining of our of our of those teams that I just mentioned um, because traditionally they have been back of the house but they're going to be in a situation where they're likely going to be engaged by the guest and we want them to be able to talk about what they're doing why they're doing it the frequency that they're doing it so the relationship that those teams have with our guests now are going to be completely uh, started from the ground up, a, a different approach to that. I think that's really right. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's an awesome observation and, and also making heroes of, of those people because they've been, you know, they're the frontline folks, right? And so that's really key. I think a couple of you guys have talked about, you know, the importance of starting now to communicate. And it's not just what you're doing, but, you know, as, as you've said before, it's about really ex building expectations. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about with respect to kind of these space-based um, businesses, place-based businesses, is just that, 
you know, at the end of the day, we're creating a new community. And so your guests need to think about themselves as coming into a community and having the same responsibilities for the safety of that community that you have. And so really being able to kind of change that. So yes, the, you know, the, the, it's, everything's going to change, but they have an opportunity to contribute. I mean, that's very much, you know, the vibe of, of kind of B Corps and things like that. But, but, you know, that's just such a really interesting, different way for hospitality to think about what it is and what it's offering, where it's always been like, oh, you the guest and we will, you know, we are here to serve you. No, actually we're here together in community and we all have community obligations and we have to communicate that. And we're all, we are all working together on behalf of each other and, and getting those folks front and center with new uniforms. And I think the idea of a higher That's pay genius. scale is really genius. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is a really great segue. And, and Steve, thank you for that. I think, you know, one of the things that is really important is kind of that your, your employee and how they um, are, are in front of your guests. Let's talk, let's shift gears a little bit. And maybe I could ask Frank, um, you know, how can technology sort of provide guest services? I, I, there's been some discussion about, you know, purchasing things up front, but how can a resort use technology in a way that's a real positive and not necessarily um, you know, maybe enhance that and not turn off the, the guest. Yeah, for sure. I think um, John knows better than anyone that I don't necessarily have all the technology that I would like today and that, um, you know, we're working on, you know, ways to eliminate the idea of waiting at a ticket window or anything like that, um, which we're, you know, we're not at a place. And, and as we think forward, um, you know, we're going through sort of a hybrid of using the technology that we have and then some of the more traditional ticketing uh, methods. I would, you know, I think I would want to stress a little bit, the states are starting to release more and more guidance every day, you know, so, you know, we've seen California go out with a little bit of a preview of a blueprint forward. I just received um, the state of Colorado's sort of framework on how how they're looking forward and, and moving um, in very generic terms on how they're looking at moving out of this isolation phase and into more of a containment and, and, um, and bring back to work phase. And the more that we're looking at those, the better we're going to be able to make those decisions. So I, I would definitely advise, you know, being, you know, having the news alerts out there, being really alert and aware of what's going on out there, because you're getting better and better picture of the things you're going to need to do. Um, you know, I'm looking at the Colorado example, for example, um, you know, the Colorado piece, for example, I don't think masks are going to be optional. I think we're all going to be wearing masks. And, um, you know, so take that into, into your account and, and learn what the states are starting to ask for, and you'll get an idea of, of where we need to be. And when it comes to the employee side, you know, we're looking now at what the, um, of what the critical, you know, the healthcare and the police and the first responders and, and the essential workers, what are they doing now? That's what we're going to have to do when we're allowed to go back to work. Right. So, um, you know, when it comes to things like, I saw a question about shuttles come up in the, in the chat there. Um, you know, we will be removing seats from our shuttles so that um, we don't have the density in the shuttles. Um, we do have the, you know, the, the fortune to be able to add one additional shuttle to what we have been doing over the past. So that'll help offset some of that um, need. But, you know, removing some of the seats to reduce the density and then asking people at the stops that, you know, you sit with your party and your party only. 
Um, that's in our plan both summer and winter. Um, when it comes to things like ticketing, um, as John knows, I've been working more and more and more towards you know the elimination of a you know impulse on site buy your ticket at the window at a you know at a plexiglass counter. Um, I'm actually glad that I have those plexiglass windows now because <laughs> you know going back to someone behind the 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 window is actually going to be helpful for us there. Um, but I will say out of, you know, just one of the things that we'll take that we had been working on that'll apply well here is the more you can sell those advanced purchase tickets, um, even if they're not direct to lift, the transaction time when you get to a window is so short with a pre-purchase ticket, you know, scan the barcode and, and print the ticket. Um, it happens very quickly. Um, Crystal's got 16 ticket windows. We never needed more than eight all year this year. And, um, you know, we're really focused on redemption of pre-purchased items rather than selling at the window. As some of you know, we actually went as far as to eliminate the window in a couple of days due to some crowding issues that we had. But seeing that, that fast transaction time, um, I have no worries from a ticketing standpoint that we're going to be able to manage those ticket lines and keep people, you know, on their little six foot apart spots in the line that's there because that line's going to be shorter because we're selling in advance. So look at those different options, um, be it a pre-sold direct to lift item or even a pre-sold item that you do have to redeem in a window. If you have to do that, it's going to be faster than a make my decision and, and run me through the, the purchase on site. And I think that that's going to do us well here. Um, you know, our employees will, you know, we expect everyone's going to be wearing a mask. I do expect that our guests are probably going to be wearing masks just based on some of the guidance that we're starting to see. And so, um, you know, that'll be branded masks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that I, is an opportunity, yeah, you know, is absolutely to... started looking at, you know, at different branded masks that, that we would have, um, you know, the, the little, uh, you know, as we all give away the little, this is my mask lately, right? I mean, you get, you get these things. And so, um, you know, things like that. Frank, I was going to ask you about, um, overcrowding um you you, yeah. you had some of that over the last season um do, do, do you think technology could be used in terms of these pre-sales and things to kind of limit the crowds and, and kind of sell out early for example when you when you reach a capacity yeah i mean to whatever degree a mountain is able to move quickly on technology and advancing their technology whatever skills you have because we're all using the same basic tools and i think we all know that they're not easily adaptable um, in, you know, for new efforts, but if you do have a team or access to a team who's able to do that, um, you know, moving, being RFID, whether it's through the, you know, the gun or the gate is an advantage, right? I mean, if you have the, the longer range RFID guns, uh, your employees don't have to be as close. Um, you know, if you have the gates, your employees don't have to be as close and, and that's an absolute advantage. Um, you know, I, I, I wish we could say that we have all the technology we need to be able to move people through without having to create those close interactions. We don't. Um, but, you know, the, the only pieces that I could really key on would be how you're scanning and how you're validating. This summer, we've made the decision that um, we're not actually going to force validation as they get on the gondola. And I'll, I should talk about the gondola. I saw that question come up and I can't wait to hear what Steve's going to do with his tram. <laughs> but um, but um, we're we're talking about you know show the ticket and then drop it in the bucket 
show the ticket, drop it in the bucket, and then we'll go back and we'll validate them when no one's around, right? In order to sort of reduce that need to step right up to somebody and validate the ticket on the gondola. Um, and our biggest issue, I think, from that crowding standpoint comes in with restaurants. Um, we, as, as you know, John, we don't have nearly the food service capacity that we need for our mountain as it is. Right. Mountain, actually, we have quite a bit of space. Um, and so we're looking at things as, you know, we're certainly looking at a lot more grab and go. Um, we introduced a lot of outdoor seating um, in areas we never expected to do outdoor seating as we finished up the season this year. Um, as abruptly as it came to an end, we were making changes every day to try to see how we could remain in business. And that outdoor seating piece really worked well. Um, and so this summer we're looking at, you know, more and more grab and go that I could purchase and then take to outdoor seats or, or to other seats around. Um, you know, we don't have the tallest advantage of a ton of snow or a sun. We don't, we don't get any sun in the winter time. Um, but we found that people are, you know, willing in, in high twenties, low thirties to be outside. And, and as long as they're not getting rained on, you know, they'll, they'll sit out there and they had a great time that last weekend we were open before we had to shut it all down, even though they weren't in the lodges. We're looking at scheduled times to eat where through the app, you could actually pick, you know, your, your time, your designated dining time so that we can try to help people plan a little bit better about when they're going to eat. Um, so there's a little bit of technology on that. Um, and then from a, you know, from a gondola standpoint, um, I don't think we have the solution, but really what we're focused on are what are the different ways um, to clean? Uh, do we have to do a thorough cleaning each gondola ride? I, I don't know yet. Uh, we're looking at cleaning, um, cleaning chemicals that have residual um, sanitation effects. You know, are there some of those where we may be able to do, you know, a thorough overnight cleaning of everything and then spot clean in between riders? Um, with something a little more simple so that we can, um, you know, keep all of those gondola cars moving. Because the alternative for us right now is probably to load every other gondola car and clean the other one and then do, you know, and, and sort of yeah. rotate through that, which we'd certainly rather not cut our gondola capacity in half. So if we can find that, you know, that residual sanitation uh, opportunity, we'll, you know, we'll be very interested in that. We've not found it yet. And well, I guess you could load family groups together, right? To that's absolutely, you know, you, if you drove, you know, an hour and a half here, um, the people you drove with, you know, can be considered your cohort at that point. And we would, you know, let those groups ride the gondola together, which isn't going to be ideal for capacity, but it'll keep things moving. And I certainly expect people to be a bit more understanding on some of those types sure. of issues going forward. I, I, for one, would love to hear Steve's uh, tram considerations and, and how he's going to go about that. Steve, you're on. How are you going to handle your tram? Tram considerations. Um, well, I think, I think the, the first step is going to be limiting the amount of people that we actually put on there. I mean, uh, at this point, you know, we can, we can do 43 people on there. That's been reduced uh, from years past. And the conversations that we're having right now are, uh, not only reducing them down to less than a dozen where the square footage actually works on there, but making sure that everybody is masked when they go on to the, onto the tram and then doing a quick clean of each tram before the next trip up the mountain. And you can imagine what that does to our uphill capacity. Mm -hmm. 
How about your quads and six packs? And also, how are, how are you guys thinking you might handle your queuing? No six packs here, but uh, quad. Uh, yeah, we have um, we have one detach, um, and you know the conversations that we're having are probably like what everybody else is, which is you know trying to use employees to create some spacing in the queues. Um, we're thinking that in that environment, a lot of people are going to have PPE on of some sort or another. Um, so that, you know, if we can just get that distance in the queues between folks that will probably be okay. I mean, I think one, one of the things that we're all going to have to deal with here is that from a, uh, the mentality that we're all using right now is how in the world do I service all of the people that I generally have come to the resort on any given day in the winter? The reality is, is that half of those people are coming. Yeah. If we're lucky, maybe <laughs> less. So I think when we start to think about how do we manage volume, we've got to, we've got to think differently about what volume is. I, I think um, for those of you guys with with more of a destination, you know, you're you're right in that you know volume may not be as much of an issue. I I think to Barb's point earlier, um, those of us who are right outside the metro areas, I, I think yeah. we're going to have volume concerns. Um, I agree. And we did experiment because we were on a social distancing order for a couple of weeks before we were shut down. Um, we found the crowds to be generally accepting with the idea of, you know, tip to tail, no closer uh, when you're in the lift line. Um, and we did, again, just like in the gondola, it was cohort only on a chair, which reduced capacity, but didn't, you know, didn't hurt it too badly. I mean, it's painful to watch a, you know, two people go up on a six pack on a Saturday. Yeah. But, um, you know, in this case, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for why that would happen and and it worked really really well the only issues that i think came out of our winter experiment last spring that um, i'm still not sure how we're gonna fix our bathrooms i think that's a really big deal that was um, one of our questions too yeah and then just you know in the food service itself which is why we're looking at those things like scheduling and and uh and barb i, I personally like your idea of potentially scheduling out you know, shorter sessions. Um, that that's a neat concept that that I think we're gonna you know at least have to take a look at ourselves. Yeah, and I I you know this grab and go. Um, you know, th there are so many uh, there's so much software online now. Um, I mean, you can you can set up your cafeteria to grab and go probably in two weeks. Right. Um, you know, it may not talk to all the other who may not be able to get gift cards with it. I mean, there's probably some some issues with it. But I think think the technology is where we 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 can definitely go ahead and make inroads to make it so that we're we're uh, making it safe for our guests. And they trust technology too. So um, I like David Norton's <laughs> idea of taking it outdoors when you can too, and you know you can have yeah. the, the picnic options and and things where people, particularly in the summer times. Well, I was going to say to the to the bathroom, you know. We put up with a lot of disgusting bacteria in bathrooms, so I feel like that's an area that we're all self-conditioned to don't touch. So portaloos, I mean, we're, we've we've been in the worst of the worst. So I think bathrooms. We, we got to teach that to the male folk. I think we can <laughs> we can handle it. <laughs> we are uh, ten minutes over, but I we didn't want to stop this because it it's going um, well, and there's a lot of great questions in here. Um, one question that I thought was a good one, and it's come up a few times, is just this idea that, um, you know, 
you, you get you get a system going, whatever it is, it, it, it's uh, restricted and it's hobbling along and you're making it work, but then, you know, someone tests positive for COVID, whether an employee or a staff member and everything gets derailed. And, and has anybody thought through, not, not everyone, but the, the system gets derailed. Then you, do you have to shut down? Do you have to bring in, you know, a professional grade cleaning place? Do you have to quarantine half your staff because they, you know, have, has anybody thought through gotten to that level of figuring that piece out? I'm just going to say that there's some interesting cases coming up right now in the grocery world where there obviously is a huge amount of contact, et cetera, et cetera. And different, I think that there's not necessarily a requirement to shut down again, you know, kind of hospitality is different and, um, you know, recreational spaces may be different as well. But what's been interesting um, has been that a lot of places have not had to shut down, but it's also very much up to the place to, or the chain to decide whether to communicate about it. And so Whole Foods got busted recently because they failed to communicate to customers and things like that. And a whistleblower came out who had heard that one of his co, you know, one of his fellow um, coworkers had. Mm had a case of COVID. And so, you know, there was a lot of backlash against Whole Foods. Other companies have very, very different, much more transparent policies. And so that's one of the things that from a crisis communications perspective, I think people should have a point of view about how they are going to handle that. And it needs to be really consistent with who you are and your values as a company. It's not within the industry, but what's happening in the nursing homes is a scary thing because there's yeah. inevitably going to be a lot of lawsuits that come out yeah. of that. Well, one of the comments here asked the question and it's, you know, so if you get a case on your staff, like what's the, you know, the contact and trace and what's going to be the requirement if you lose one lift operator, did you, did you just lose the whole bottom crew for that day, you know, for two weeks or, you know, I, I don't, we don't have those answers. At least I don't have those answers yet. And, and to, are, are any uh, of the guests planning to um, temperature check staff um, for each chef, for each chef? We will. I, I think it'll be required. We're we're doing it now, actually. Okay. Just, I think it's it's all really really clear, and everybody's really kind of on the same path. But you know, one thing is start now. Everybody on this, you know, everybody here has been, you know, is deep in the middle of kind of all of this. Um, you know, the other thing we would always say is as well, take the guest perspective. It's it's super important to be thinking operationally, but also really understanding the opportunity of the guest to actually work for you and not just be worked upon. So I would, I would encourage that. And the way to do that is to actually start communicating now. Um, building in flexibility, that's what we're all kind of dealing with. Um, Over-communicating, I think, is, you know, when they're on premises, but also in prior and also afterwards. It's a really great opportunity to keep reinforcing your message and the opportunity out there. And finally, just keep in mind that this is a great opportunity to build brand, to do things differently. If there are things that you have wanted your guests to do differently, this is the time to shake things up because everything has been shaken up. It's a brave new world for everybody. So everything that you all have wanted to experiment with, whether it's technology or new, new flows or new processes or whatever it is, give it a shot right now. I mean, this is, this is a great opportunity to do that. Thank you, Regina. Um, so we're going to um, wrap this up, but we have a, a final um, comment um, that will work in here. And it really comes from um, hearing all of you and all of this talk and what um, a key piece the staff will play in all of this. 
and they're retraining to this whole new world and, and the messages that we want to convey um, to however we're going to you know, roll out our protocols and, and how we want them to talk to the guests and do we want them to stay their distance but keep eye contact and all the things that we want to um, implement in our new normal, the staff are going to be a huge piece of this. Um, and they're coming back to you with um, you know, some, some baggage of what they've just gone through. So Paul, can you, Paul Talner is our um, leadership um, coach that we work with for our various kind of leadership programs through SAM, but um, he's given a lot of thought and deep dived into this question of managing your staff and how to maintain that effective team in a, in a crisis. Paul? Thanks, Olivia. I appreciate this conversation. It's super fascinating to hear. But um, one thing I would just want to leave folks with is, you know, this discussion was really all about protecting and pivoting uh, for your ultimate and eventual return to profitability, right? But there's a fourth P, which is your people, uh, that, are, that are at the center of all of it. And I think keeping uh, them in mind is, is going to be, you know, critical. When they come back, they're going to be different people than, than when they left. Uh, they will have been through the ringer. Um, and while they will be certainly ready to work and excited and happy to have a job, I think it's uh, important to realize they'll be highly attuned and maybe a little less patient with leader behavior. Uh, so being really mindful about how you're reengaging your employees when they come back uh, or your current employees now even, um, there are a couple of key ingredients that I put together in, in this people recovery playbook that was previously distributed. But basically, leader self-care, so you, all those of you on the call right now, making sure that you can stay calm and consistent uh, through this process. Remember, we're in a marathon here. This is not a sprint. Um, individual employee care, so they feel the stability and assurance from you as leaders. Uh, and then third is effectively um, relaunching teams. Uh, we've heard a lot today about the need for agile, uh, creative teams to deal with challenges that you know, are emerging and, and difficult. Um, so making sure that they can, they're set up for success uh, so they can really deliver results in this really interesting and new world that we're living in. Great, thank you, Paul, so much. Um, so I wanna thank our co-hosts today, Claire, John, and Regina um, for your insights and, and uh, for bringing this topic to us. I think it was a, a great topic to have. Um, we certainly, in looking at all the comments in the chat room, we didn't, we didn't get to, you know, nearly as much as we'd like, but this is just a, an ongoing conversation um, that we're having and gathering all of the um, challenges ahead of us, um, gathering and starting to gather the solutions and just sharing those as a community, um, I think is gonna be key to uh, getting reopened, which is, which is our goal. Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode five of our special Huddle mini-series. If you'd like to review the resources provided by Paul Tallner and High Peaks Group, go to saminfo.com huddle to view and download. We will be doing these weekly calls for as long as they make sense. Each call is open to the industry, so if you would like to participate or if you have a question or topic you think we should cover, email huddle at saminfo.com. In the meantime, check out our coronavirus impact page on the SAM website with content to help you navigate the crisis. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to PodSAM.